The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scriptures of this day. Confront us with your claims on our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so we may know life at its fullest and best. Amen. Today's lesson is from Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, I came across an article 11 things you might not understand about your minister. We're getting deep today. It's written by Mark Love, and Mark left the ministry years before due to burnout. His purpose for writing the article was to cultivate congregational awareness so that those who sit in the pews have a better understanding and appreciation for the life of their minister. Now, I don't want to scare you. I am not going to share the trials of ministry with you. This sermon is about you. I'm just laying the groundwork. As I read the article, I found myself agreeing with with many points. I also disagreed with a number of points. However, one point, the first point, I could have written myself. And that point is, a minister's greatest fear is irrelevance. A minister's greatest fear is irrelevance. In that everything a minister says, does, develops, implements, has zero impact on those who are sitting in the pews, or in your case, comfortable folding chairs. (laughs) They are comfortable, aren't they? I know. In that, you come to church on Sundays, you sing a few hymns, you bow your heads at the appropriate time, you attempt to look engaged while I preach my sermon to Masha. (laughs) And then you leave. You leave and you go to Target, you go to brunch, you go home, you buy stuff on Amazon. You know, it's what you do. You leave, though, just as you arrived, unchanged, uninspired. And you're no closer to your neighbor or to God. It is a legitimate fear that ministers carry. For some, it is a fear that causes pastoral paralysis. For others, it is a fear that causes immense motivation Your minister is immensely motivated. You will be changed. (laughs) 
you will be inspired. And men, I don't know where that came from. Throughout my years in ministry, though, I've often wondered if Jesus ever experienced a fear of irrelevance. Did he ever fear irrelevance? If he ever worried that his words and his actions had no impact on those that he encountered in his public ministry? Probably not. I mean, he had the whole son of God, miracle mojo thing going for him. Kind of unfair, but... (laughs) You be you, Jesus. Surprisingly, though, with all of that, he was not always entirely effective. He wasn't. Not effective in inspiring his followers in the moment. I mean, throughout the Gospels, we know his followers stumbled and fell. We know they didn't always do the right thing on the first or second or third opportunity. We know they had their doubts. We know they questioned their abilities. We know they knew fear. A lot of fear. It's always interesting to me that that from where we are today in history, we look back at the 12 and, and that initial group of followers and we revere them, you know, like they're, they're superstars of, of faith, of Christianity. And they are. However, we often forget that they were just like each one of us, too. They were not perfect human beings. They were not perfect in faith. They were not perfect in their choices. They were not perfect in their actions. They were not perfect in life. I find great comfort in that truth. Yet at some point, they did begin to believe in themselves. At some point along their journey, they did begin to engage the world on behalf of God. At some point along their journey, they did accept the invitation to live out their true nature, which Jesus speaks to in today's lesson. So what's your true nature? It's like Christian Jeopardy. (laughs) I'll tell you, because I want you to be engaged and inspired. In Jesus' own words, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt and light. That is the truth of who you are, of how God created you to be in the world. You'll notice that Jesus doesn't doesn't ask you if you're salt or light. He's not telling you be salt. Jenny, be salty like Quinn. He's not saying that. He's not saying, try to be light. You can do it. Be LED. No. He's simply telling you the truth of your nature. A nature that you can deny, but 
you cannot change. Now, I do recognize it does seem bizarre to utilize salt and light to describe our true nature. And yet, salt and light are essential to life. Do you know what else is essential to life? Well, yes, but that's not the answer. (laughs) That's not the answer I'm looking for. (laughs) Do you want me to tell you? You. You are also essential to life. And so we have this union of life essentials. In ancient times, salt symbolized the covenant between God and the people of Israel. To eat salt with another person was a sign of of great loyalty, a sign of commonality. It was akin to passing the peace. Salt was also an important commodity, as well as a purifier and a preserver. Again, essential to life. Salt, although basic and regular, like some people, Like all of us, salt is very useful. It has the capacity to change soil, to change water. It even has the capacity to to change the function of the human body. Salt matters. For our purposes today, salt adds flavor to life. Zest, if you will. Light, like salt, is also essential to life. Light is the source of growth. Life illuminates the darkness. And with light, we have the ability to see truth. To see ourselves. To see all of creation clearly. And with clarity comes the opportunity for action. Ideally, when you see clearly, you no longer ignore the realities of this world before you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. In this moment, Jesus is telling his disciples to be effective. They must change their surroundings. They must add flavor to life. They must illuminate life. They don't have to be perfect. They simply have to give it their best. Because one's best is always relevant. Like salt and light, God's people, you, are essential to life. And how do we accept our true nature? How do we accept our true nature like the disciples before us? Those regular Matthews and Marthas of faith. We have to let go of our fear of irrelevance. 
We have to trust in ourselves, trust in our gifts. We have to accept our true nature. And in place of our fear, we try. We offer, we pour ourselves into life in a sincere effort. In a sincere effort, we pour ourselves into life so that we might engage in meaningful relationships. We pour ourselves into life so that we might meaningfully engage the world. Last week, I told you that every one of you is blessed. Every one of you is blessed. Blessing comes first. You do nothing to earn that. It's first. It's always there. You are blessed. That is the foundation to which you navigate this life. Yet it's not enough to simply believe. It's not enough to simply accept and to bask in your blessedness. You have to live out your blessedness. It's not for you to just keep to yourself. And we live out our blessedness by adding salt, zest, and light, illumination to this world, to God's creation, recognizing our essentialness as co-creators alongside God. a lot. It's a lot. I began speaking about the fear of irrelevance, and I believe we all carry such a, a fear, such a dark passenger. I recently rewatched the series Dexter, so that's where that comes from. <laughs> dark passenger, it's nice. <laughs> and from time to time when I'm standing here before you and dropping Mother Teresa quotes, I love her. And sharing a story of a a Christian superstar, I believe that it has the opposite impact on you. It's not really inspiring to you. Instead, you're likely thinking, I can't do that, John. I'm not brave enough. I'm not faithful enough. I'm not creative enough. I'm afraid of being salty. I'm afraid of being shiny. However... I'll give you a B for effort. So, over this past week, I've been searching for a story of a person who embodies, in my eyes, what it, what it means to be salt, what it means to be light. A regular person, far from perfect, who, who embodies, in my eyes, what it means to bring zest and light into the world. Who do you think it is? It's not me. <laughs> Just John. It's not Quinn. <laughs> You're important to me, Quinn. I'm biased in this answer, but the answer that I came up with is, is you you as Stone Village Church. From my perspective, communally, collectively, you are salt and light in this world. 
I mean, you clothe those who cannot clothe themselves on a weekly and monthly basis. There's a mountain of donations sitting in my office for children who have yet to be born. You feed those who hunger every month. You welcome the stranger. Without hesitation or limitation, you love them as they are, not as you need them to be. You provide identity to those who have no identity. You do all of those things, and I could go on and on, but modest is hottest, so we're just going to stop right there. (laughs) The point I'm making, though, is you are living out your blessedness. You're a light of hope for those whose lives are shrouded in darkness. You're a pinch of zest for those whose lives taste stale and bitter. Collectively, you know how essential you are to life. Of course, your zestiness, your shininess, cannot be limited to here. Your day-to-day lives are lived beyond this community. And so each of us always needs to be conscious of where we are mixing, where we are pouring our lives, where we are shining, where we are illuminating. To be blessed, to be salt, to be light, to be followers of Jesus is to take seriously our role in this world. You have a role in this world. And God invites each one of us to be co-creators and co-lovers of this world. God does not ask perfection from us. God asks that we do our best. And our best is always relevant. Thanks be to God. Amen.